Good evening, everybody. My name is Bill Woodcock, and welcome to the latest edition of Forward Maryland. Today is Wednesday, January 7th, 2020. Here's what's on my mind tonight. And the first issue, to use my best John McLaughlin impersonation, Sparty has returned. Uh, I would be remiss if I did not bring attention to the fact that my co-host, on this fine show. He appears once every five or six episodes, and uh, there will be another co-hosted episode uh, recording and dropping on uh, Saturday the 10th, so mark that off on your calendars now. Uh, but Jason Booms has been uh, working with me now for the last few months, and uh, he has decided to, uh, in addition to his co-hosting responsibilities on this fine podcast production, he has decided to restart his very own blog, the thing that got it all started in the Booms of Earth, uh, Spartan Considerations. If you have not looked at Spartan Considerations, you owe it a read. Um, it's a good read. Uh, it is, um, it is, uh, I know. Just use the Google. I'm not going to give you the whole URL. Use the Google. Spartan Considerations. Spartan with a T. Considerations with a D. Uh, so um, look it up and please read. And you will, uh, you will be impressed. And um, in addition to that, I have to also commend Jason for his... Uh, plunging with both feet into the uh, pool that is the Maryland Politics Group on Facebook. Um, he uh, actually took another uh, Maryland blogger to task uh, for uh, posting a, uh, for posting a uh, article uh, from the New York Times uh, without any context or without any um, you know, commentary of his own. Um, just took him for task to, for his laziness, for the content of the article, for the, uh, the, uh, the opinion of the subject of the article, uh, just the whole thing. So Jay, it is like Jason ran into a room full of, of goofs and just started throwing hands. Um, it was beautiful. Um, but hands that are based in reason and discussion and not in uh, silliness. So, um, you know, um, you know, we tend to bring a little bit more hard-hitting product here than other uh, political podcasts. You know, we we intend to uh, leave you with something to think about. Uh, you know, we're not the rah-rah people. We're not the cheerleaders. Um, if you want to go do that? Uh, go grab your pom poms, and I can give you directions to an office building somewhere. And uh, you can go, uh, you can go watch that nonsense. But uh, as far as I'm concerned, uh, I have the best co-host, and we are the most potent tag team in Maryland political podcasting, and perhaps in all Maryland podcasting at this point in time. So, uh, Jason, kicking ass, and uh, we shall talk soon. Uh, the big news this week, and ironically, this was broken by the uh, same other uh, Maryland podcaster who uh, Jason picked up and slammed uh, over the weekend, is the news, uh, public news now, that uh, Peter Franchot, the Maryland State Comptroller, 
is planning to run for the Democratic gubernatorial nomination in 2022. So I understand that this is going to be a, uh, a point of contention amongst some. Uh, yes, uh, Comptroller Francho has uh, seen, uh, is, perhaps, is perhaps guilty of and responsible for uh, maybe uh, agreeing a little bit too much with uh, Governor Hogan, uh, but as we saw recently, they can definitely have their uh, points of contention, and uh, Hogan isn't afraid to throw darts the controller's way. The controller was not afraid to throw darts back uh, when uh, the controller um, uh, you know, held the governor up on his uh, plan to just you know build highway lane after highway lane uh, all around the D.C. area. Um, the controller you know, put skids on that, uh, made clear that uh, a lot had to be done before that got approval of the Board of Public Works. And then uh, Hogan and his Hogan way said, well, I thought the controller was in favor of this. And governor of the controller said, no, I'm not. And Hogan said, eh. Um, you know, so the Hogan's going to have to wait to get the Jimmy Myrick uh, Memorial Lanes uh, built on 270. After all, they put the award in his name. And, um, you know, you know, in fact, he'll probably wait until after he's out of office. Um, I really made no secret of, you know, there's nothing spineless people I have a great distaste for. And uh, phony people have a great distaste for. And when you face somebody, when you when you come across somebody who's spineless and phony, um, you know, for this guy, uh, it's not a good look. And, uh, you know, when that person reaches a position of responsibility or authority in a community, um, it really just shows the level of dysfunction in the community. And, you know, this is true in Howard County. I mean, there are people who, you know, people respect and who people have given uh, positions of responsibility and, and even titles to uh, that, uh, you know, they, they really, you know, their, their ethics and their morals, you know, they should be. They should be working at a carnival, taking tickets, telling people that the ride that spins around with the teacups are safe. Um, and But in Maryland, when that person is the governor of Maryland, uh, that's very disgusting. Uh, so, you know, I've made light in the past uh, on this podcast and in my blog about how well known Maryland is for its corruption um, that it's right up there with the great state of Louisiana for being the most corrupt uh, state in the nation. And uh, it looks like that uh, Mr. Change Maryland really hasn't changed Maryland all that much because uh, there is recently an uh, article written that uh, describes uh, all the profiteering Hogan has made off of his construction deals and and that very much like President Trump, who, of course, Hogan says he doesn't really like President Trump that much, although he didn't like him enough not to run against him for president, um, even though he made a lot of noise about doing so. Um, 
know, uh, he, he, he also has his own company uh, that uh, he's able to keep tabs on. Somebody else uh, is titularly the uh, head of it, but, uh, you know, he stays informed. It's not a blind trust as, as uh, other presidents had. I mean, Jimmy Carter had a peanut farm. And I can remember that being an issue. I mean, yeah, I was a little, I was a young kid in, in 1976, but I can remember Jimmy Carter's peanut farm being an issue. And yet this Ding Dong uh, 45 has hotels and resort properties, and this fool Hogan has, uh, has developments. It, it's just absurd. Uh, so, um, you know, uh, Hogan's... Uh, Hogan's second term is not really shaping up to be a great one. I mean, he's already mucked up the first year. And uh, the second year, you know, I mean, you know, look at my last podcast. Look at the issues that are being talked about. I mean, are any of those um, the issues that you're concerned about at your table? Uh, I don't think so. So, um, you know, so, uh, you know. This this guy's got to do something, I guess, or else you know all that talk about running for senator or running for president and all that nonsense—it just lines up where it is nonsense. Um, next issue is the Democrats' debate next Tuesday in the great state of Iowa. Uh, four weeks from now, the Iowa caucuses will be held, and so next Tuesday will be a scant three weeks before the Iowa caucuses. Uh, And as of this recording, it looks like there are only five candidates who will make the debate stage, Uh, former Vice President Biden, uh, Senator Bernie Sanders, Senator Elizabeth Warren, Senator Amy Klobuchar, and South Bend, Indiana, Mayor Pete Buttigieg. Um, And frankly, you know, I I know that, you know, there are concerns and complaints about no people of color and, you know, no diversity uh, on the stage. I'm not sure how you can quite say no diversity because there are two women amongst the five candidates. Um, But at this point, um, you know, Julian Castro dropped out, supported and decided to endorse uh, Senator Warren. Um, Senator Harris dropped out. Senator Booker is still in it, but not not generating the fundraising, not generating the poll numbers, not generating the donor base. Um, You know, um, by the Democratic National Committee's criteria, folks, this is who we got. So I understand and I would agree that it is not the most diverse field. Uh, What would we rather do? Would we rather just stick all 15 of them on a stage or on two stages and have them all duke it out? Uh, I think seeing uh, all five of these leading candidates uh, on this, you know, and they've, they've, they've proven that they've been leading. I mean, not just poll numbers, but also contributions and also the diversity of their contributions in terms of numbers of contributions from numbers of different states. These are the five candidates who have best proven their broad-based appeal. Um, And it is a split right down the middle. Um, You know, it does, I will say this, it does skew a little bit older. Uh, So, of course, uh, 
Warren and Sanders and Biden are all in their 70s. Um, Senator Klobuchar is 59. Um, oh, by the way, full disclosure, I am uh, filing as a delegate to the Democratic National Convention for Senator Klobuchar. So uh, there is that. Uh, and Mayor Buttigieg is 37. So, you know, would it be great if there were a couple other 50-something candidates in there, maybe even a 40-something candidate or... You know, Tulsi Gabbard, the other 30-something candidate? No, well, maybe not Tulsi Gabbard, but who knows? But would it have been great if there was somebody? Yeah. Um, those people have either dropped out or they're not doing well enough to rate a place on the, on the debate stage. Um, it's that simple. And there are some great people who I like, too, who I would love to see on the debate stage. I'd love to see Michael Bennett on the debate stage. Um no, not Delaney. I don't want to see Delaney on the debate stage. Um, you know, but I would like to see Cory Booker on the debate stage. I would like to see Andrew Yang again on the debate stage. He's made everyone up till now. And I think that there's still a sixth person that sneaks in. Uh, I think it'll be, it might be him. Um, you know, but they're not going to be there. You know, I'd like to see Bloomberg on the debate stage, but he's announced he's not taking contributions. Therefore, he's not on the debate stage. So, um, so yeah, so these are the five who we got. And uh, I have to think that one of these five will be the nominee. Uh, the latest poll that came out from CBS had Biden, Buttigieg, and Sanders all at 23%. I believe uh, Warren was at 16% and Klobuchar was like 7%. So, um, you know, there's enough of a swing there. There's enough uncertainty there. It's, it's kind of a horse race. I mean, that's why they call it a horse race. And uh, any of these, uh, you know, to use my uh, NASCAR, my race, my auto racing analogy, I like to use with this Democratic uh, primary campaign. Uh, there's a little pack jockeying, and uh, I think a wrong turn could take out, you know, maybe a, a candidate or two. Um, you know, so the, the field is a little bit older. Um, it is diverse gender-wise. Um, it is um, pretty much split down the middle uh, in terms of ideology. Um, you know, you, you, you have Sanders and Warren, who are the stalwarts of the liberal wing of the party. And you have Biden, Buttigieg, and Klobuchar, who are more the uh, moderate wing of the party. Um, you know, if you look at like a six person, you know, you look at Andrew Yang. I mean, you look at somebody, you know, he's very hard to characterize as either moderate or, or liberal. I mean, he's very much uh, taking for both sides of the menu, so to speak. So, um you know, I do think that there's fairness there in terms of ideological representation. Um, you know, and, and we have to keep our eyes on the prize. I mean, we've got to remember November. Um, you know, it's, that's what it's all about. Uh, so, um, you know, if, if uh, a wet piece of cardboard becomes the Democratic nominee, I will vote for the wet piece of cardboard. Uh, I don't care what that wet piece of cardboard thinks about, you know, D.C. statehood. Um, you know, the cardboard needs to be elected. So, um, you know, I know that's where I sit. I know that's not where everybody sits who's out there in listener land, and I appreciate that, but uh, that's where I am. So that's that.
Um, and meanwhile, um, our, uh, our president in charge of diversion uh, has created a really big one. And, you know, you'd have to figure that Melania is somewhere saying, Donald, what did you do? Um, if she talks to him, I'm not, not sure that happens. Um, but, of course, uh, as we all know, our president bombed Iran, um, or I should say um, Iraq. Um, no, bombed Iran. What am I saying? Killed the uh, lead uh, general, uh, Iran's uh, most uh, highest ranking general. So that would be equivalent to someone assassinating our chair of our Joint Chiefs of Staff, which, you know, in this country, I think people would be horrified and frightened and angry and would want um, missile strikes and the full force of the American military brought to bear upon the uh, offending uh, government. Uh, so uh, then one can understand the, the Iranians' uh, anger uh, the uh, pictures from the demonstrations and the funeral of the general uh, these last couple of days were just amazing uh, in terms of how large these crowds were and also how angry these crowds were. Um, you know, I, I believe the general was a bad man. Uh, I believe the world is better uh, without him in it. Um, you know, I believe that, uh, you know, it was in the best, it's in the best interest of the United States that this man not walk the earth. That being said, um, whether or not that needed to be done, I don't think there's really been any evidence. Uh, you know, you simply do not go out and assassinate a leader of a foreign nation uh, willy-nilly, Um you know, I believe that the administration is owing Congress an explanation and evidence as to whether or not this assassination was justified. Uh, and uh, failing that, um, you know, I think we have a right to make our own opinions as to whether or not this thing should have happened or not. You know, I'm certainly not saying this was an innocent guy who just... Uh, you know, uh, he just happened to be Iranian, and so he had to go. Um, this was not an innocent guy, but, uh, you know, just because you can do something doesn't mean you should. And uh, I have a strong concern that this numbskull of a, of a president we have uh, has just got us into something bigger. And it may not be something we can handle, but it definitely will be something that's going to be a hard time for us to get out of and uh, getting out of that situation of whatever situation this caused um, may not happen very quickly or very, uh, or without a uh, loss of blood and treasure. And I'm very sorry to say that, but uh, that's what I see. So uh, with that, I'll bring you to an end of another wonderful edition of Forward Maryland. I thank you all for listening. And, uh, yes, please join us on Saturday. Jason will be here. I will be here. We will talk about the issues of the day, perhaps some NFL playoffs, perhaps some, uh, you know, perhaps uh, some Howard County school system news, some Board of Education news, uh, you know, perhaps some Oscar nominations. Who knows? Uh, all that and much more on your next edition of Forward Maryland.
My name is Bill Woodcock. Have a great day, everybody. Take care.